Hello, I'm Michael Serapio, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Tonight on Primetime Politics, a glaring disregard. We didn't find records to accurately show how much was spent on what, who did the work, or how and why contracting decisions were made. The Auditor General releases her long-awaited report on the ArriveCan app, a nearly $60 million debacle that Karen Hogan says is a failure of government, a failure to follow good management practices, a failure to even track where all that money was going. Coming up, we will speak with the Auditor General. And the political parties are standing by will get reaction from them. This is Primetime Politics. Hello everyone, I'm Michael Serapio. The conclusion is scathing. The Auditor General stating today when it came to the ArriveCan app, government showed a glaring disregard for the most basic of duties. Allowing a contract initially estimated to be worth some $80,000 to balloon to $59.5 million. And Karen Hogan says it was failures in the public service that allowed that to happen. Take a listen to some of the reaction the AG's report sparked in the House today. He blew over $60 million on an Arrive scam app that we didn't need, didn't work, sent 10,000 people erroneously into quarantine, losing income, all the while the thing costed 750 times more than the Prime Minister promised. Won't he stand up today and admit that the app is just like him? It's not worth the cost, it's not worth the corruption. We take the obligation to manage taxpayers' money very seriously. Under no circumstances would we condone what the Auditor General determined to be contracting practices that did not follow the rules, and anybody who didn't will be held to account. Absolutely. Let's talk about the garbage decisions of this Liberal government. The the Auditor General found that the Liberals wasted $60 million on an app, the ArriveCan app, that no one uses and doesn't work. All at a time when Canadians are struggling with their groceries and their rent. Why are the Liberals so obsessed with making rich consultants richer and so out of touch with where Canadians are at? We are grateful to the Auditor General for her report, which was important and timely. We have accepted all her recommendations. Some of them have already been implemented over the last few weeks. Some are being implemented. Well, joining us right now is the Auditor General of Canada, Karen Hogan. Ms. Hogan, thank you for joining us this evening. Hi, thank you for having me. Listen, I want to begin uh, with the basic dollar figure here, because when you talk about the, the ArriveCan app, when it was first announced, it was supposed to cost tens of thousands of dollars. Instead, we're looking at tens of millions of dollars, $59.5 million, according to your report. You yourself say this is only an estimate. Just how much of a mess were the receipts and invoices here? Well, this is an estimate, and um, it, it is based on the fact that um, the, the the financial records were very poor quality. Uh, at times, we saw that um, basic information in invoices wasn't available uh, when a resource works on an IT project, and there were many IT projects going on at the Canada Border Service Agency at the time. It wasn't clear if the individual worked on a RIVCAN or another project, and so it makes it really difficult for someone who is allocating costs in the financial system to 
send them to the right uh, the right project. Um, so we, we have to at times back our way through several journal entries and end up at a task authorization to see whether or not it related to ArriveCAN. Um, it, it is possibly some of um, the worst record keeping I've seen in a long time. Um, you know, just lack of good financial management controls. Worst public uh, figures keeping with public dollars. Uh, could the final figure exceed 59.5 million? Um, you know, the figure could be a little bit higher, but it could also be a little bit lower, right? It really is unclear at times when there was some general IT contract work, um, how much should be allocated to ArriveCAN or none at all. Um, so, so many of the vendors, um, you know, may, may not have believed that they actually worked on ArriveCAN, but their costs were allocated in the financial systems by the Canada Border Service Agency, and hence we've reported them as part of the cost of this application. Okay. Now, listen, I want to get uh, your response or your thoughts to a couple of the points that were raised today, because uh, Ikra Khalid, who is the Parliamentary Secretary to the Minister of Revenue, she asked you whether it would have cost more money to maintain the paper system instead of creating this app, even if it nearly, if, even if it cost nearly $60 million. Was there any value in, in this money spent? So I'm going to highlight two things when it comes to value. There was value during the pandemic, and then there's an enduring value. Um, and and all, all of that is couched with overall, I believe that the public service did not get the best value for money that they should have received. This application did cost too much. But at the start of the pandemic, if you recall some of our reports in 2021, uh, we said that the ArriveCAN application actually helped to improve the quality of the information gathered at the border when people were entering Canada, as well as the timeliness of that information. You may recall that when it was paper format, at times the Public Health Agency of Canada wasn't receiving traveler contact information until about 28 days later. And that's really difficult to follow up on a 14-day quarantine when it is, you know, weeks after that quarantine. There is an enduring value right now in that the, pub, the um, Canada Border Service Agency uh, used the development of this application to sort of springboard and automate the custom and immigration form, uh, which is something that they were trying to do before the pandemic. Now, we also heard that, uh, as terms of a context or argument, that this money did go out in the midst of a pandemic, as you noted yourself, uh, and the app was developed and delivered quickly. Are those mitigating circumstances to consider when you look at the dollars here? So you're right that the application was delivered very quickly. Um, it, it was record time, really, that the app was out there to support measures at the border. Um, but the Secretary of the Treasury Board made it clear at the start of the pandemic um, that while the public service had to act quickly uh, to support Canadians, they should uh, they could streamline processes and eliminate some of the hoops that they normally would jump through. But they should always document and demonstrate. Uh, prudent use of public funds in order to be accountable to Canadians. I don't believe that an emergency uh, is a reason to throw the rules out the window. And what's missing here are some real basic element elements that should be there. It was really a glaring disregard for some of the most basic things that the public service traditionally does well. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you also write in the report that the decision to work with external resources and the continued reliance on them through this project actually increase the cost of the ArriveCAN app. Uh, can you maybe build on that and whether or not uh, we, we should keep that in mind? Because there is, uh, as you know, a lot of debate right now in Ottawa about going outside of the public service. 
So the decision at, at the start of the pandemic, the, the two agencies had assessed that they did not have the capacity or, or the skills to develop the application. And so it was reasonable at that time to go to a third party uh, and and have the application developed. What I would have expected over time, however, was that dependence and reliance on third parties would have been diminished um, for a few reasons. One, it would have ensured better value for money, keeping the costs lower as time progressed, but also to see a bit of the transition of either maybe the operations or some of the skills to the public service. And I think that's one of the things going forward that the public service has to really turn their minds to is while contracting out for professional services at times, it makes sense. How do they ensure that they've upskilled public servants so that that long-term dependency is on the public service and not on third parties? Okay, and it's interesting, you, you, and of course you were looking at the public service, but, but I do wonder, as someone who has been looking at all the documents, going through the paper trail as you have done, where does the buck stop for you? Because yes, there's obviously issues around the public service, but what about the political level where decisions are made? How do things have to improve there? When you go back to the start of the pandemic, um, you know, the, the political realm decided all of the um, decisions around the Emergency Act and what borders should be, uh, measures should be put in place at the border. It's then up to the public service to operationalize those and to put them, um, put them forward. And so we really focus in, and that's where my mandate is, to focus in on the activities of the public service. How well do they carry out um, the the laws or the decisions made by the political arm. Um, and what we saw here is really a, a disregard uh, for some of the most uh, basic things that you would expect to see when it comes to project management. So, for example, I would have expected to see a good governance structure set up with an accountable party that provides oversight and a budget. Um, and those elements were not part of uh, the start of this project. So it's really difficult to manage to a budget when you don't have a budget. Karen Hogan, Auditor General of Canada. I know you've had a busy day and continue to have a busy evening. Uh, thank you for this. Thank you. Well, to continue the discussion here, we're now joined by Liberal MP Charles Sousa, Parliamentary Secretary to the Minister of Public Services and Procurement, Conservative MP Michael Barrett, Shadow Minister for Ethics and Accountable Government, and Blake Desjardins, NDP MP, and his party's Treasury Board critic. Hello to the three of you. Good afternoon. Hi there. Listen, Mr. Seuss, I'm going to start with you here. You know, the Auditor General was looking at the public service with her investigation, but you're in government. Your government is tasked with making decisions and governing with the best interests of Canadians. What responsibility does the Trudeau government bear in all of this? Well, we absolutely have to take every precaution necessary to protect taxpayer money. And in this case, procurement is a huge part of what government does. Over 10,000 contracts over the past year. And certainly we need to find out any wrongdoings that may occur. And that's what it is all about, take corrective action, which we have. We've taken all the recommendations by the Auditor General. We've implemented some of them. We've already implemented others. And it's necessary to hold people accountable for anything that's done inappropriately. Uh, Michael Baird, how do you respond to that? 
Well, look, we have an app that was originally billed at $80,000, then we thought $54 million. We find out it's at least $60 million, and one of the successful uh, bidders or, or contractors was able to write the requirements to the exclusion of others, netting uh, nearly $20 million, and that's for a, a staffing firm. These, these guys didn't even do any IT work on, uh, on this uh, IT app. And so it's, it's examples of gross mismanagement by the government. And, you know, the, the Auditor General was very clear that the circumstances at the time were no excuse to throw the rules out the window. Those were her words. And we agree, Canadians uh, need to be able to have confidence that their, their tax dollars are being handled well. And in this case, it's very clear that they were mishandled. And it looks like preferential treatment was given to a favored company of the government. And when we have you know, liberal insiders who are benefiting off taxpayers who are lined up at food banks in record numbers, Canadians see that this Prime Minister uh, isn't worth the cost and after this morning's report that he's not worth the corruption. Uh, Mr. Desjardins? Thanks so much. What we're seeing across the country, I think, is Canadians really falling behind. They're really suffering, whether it's at the grocery till or trying to make rent. Canadians are falling further behind. At the same time, they're witnessing a federal government right now that it has consultants, rich consultants having their hands deep in the pockets of the government. And as a matter of fact, the Auditor General made stark uh, a stark claim that this is the worst uh, accounting error she's ever seen with the lack of documentation that is rife within this issue or whether it's the actual procurement uh, processes that were undertaken in this case not undertaken. It's true that Canadians are really struggling right now and it pains us to see uh, that rich consultants for the better part of this government's history and even before this government, we've seen conservative governments participate directly in preferential actors for consultants, whether that was the sale of, uh, of pro uh, properties and programs in my province, like Alberta, where we see Nexon taken over by uh, uh, Chinese corporations sold by Harper. Whether these processes are good for Canadians is something New Democrats have been staunchly against, allowing private actors access like this to our government's processes, procurement and assets. It's not right and it's not okay. New Democrats will call it out when we see it. Uh, Ms. Mr. Suso, how do you respond to that? When you hear the, 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 the allegations of ties with Liberal connections, with Liberal consultants, how do you answer that? Yeah, well, there obviously both the Ombudsman and the Auditor General didn't reference any connection between Liberal insiders or elected officials. All of this is done through the bureaucrats and submissions are being made. But it's also interesting to note that no work was, no one got paid for work that was not done. And that was very clear as well. So furthermore, during that period of time, and there's no excuse for not pro uh, instituting proper procedures, but during that very urgent period of time, we provided uh, SIBA loans to support small businesses. We were providing CERBA to provide uh, support for those that are unemployed or being at risk of unemployment. We were providing a number of supports during the pandemic, which the opposition and the conservatives opposed at every turn. We needed to take precautions to protect the interests of Canadians. That's what we did. And we have to make certain as we go forward that we don't preclude the, uh, the, the, the work that's necessary to ensure that those protections are made. But we have to be accountable. We have to be transparent. And we are just as upset as anybody in terms of value for money and what was, in, what was invested to protect our, our, our citizens in Canada. Okay. So we took those steps and we're taking corrective measures as well. Okay, but you're referencing uh, other programs here. What happened to the guardrails with the Arrive Can app? If, if the others were able to be watched over by your government, why not this app? 
Well, that's my point. A lot of messages was taken, things were expedited much too quickly, and things were sped through as a result of the pandemic. A lot of urgent matters were being done at the same time. Like, she also made reference, the auditor, that the, the approaches that were there in place would have cost so much more. And it was necessary to take an e-based approach, which is what the arrived can was all about. And furthermore, the practice of using contractors and, and subcontractors to do the work is not uncommon. And, she, and, the minister, and, and the Auditor General also noted that we didn't have the skills or the resources in-house to, to enable that to be, to, be, to be done. So it was important for us to expedite them quickly, but it's critically important to have people accountable. And if there's any wrongdoing, they will be held to account. Okay, Mr. Barrett, let me pick up on that point because we were in the midst of the, the emergency portion of the pandemic. Decisions were being made quickly. And at the end of the day, uh, dollar figure aside, this app was delivered uh, quickly when you compare it to, to other uh, contracts given out by the government. Well, first of all, the Auditor General herself said very clearly that uh, pandemic or not, it's never acceptable to throw the rules out the window. So that's the, that's the first thing. Next, this was um, not effective delivery when we had more than 10,000 people that were wrongly forced in quarantine, house arrest under threat of jail if they left their homes because of the failures of this app. Um, to say nothing of the fact that some of the very same contractors who are working on this app are under RCP investigation because of their contracting with the federal government. So um, this isn't a matter of, you know, uh, well, this is just uh, uh, you know, a one-off. Um, we're seeing in different areas with different contracts. Now we have RCMP investigations, the procurement ombudsman, of course, has said that uh, the government's not doing its due diligence. And in this case, COVID, COVID was not an excuse for, for what was done here. And uh, the Canadian public suffered. We also learned that um, people that worked on the app, contrary to what the official said, um, didn't have the necessary security clearance to work on an app that dealt with people's personal and biometric data. So across the board, this is a failure. The, the Auditor General was, you know, was shocked. Uh, it was glaring, the mismanagement, um, is how she described it. And you know, there, there needs to be accountability. The government says that they, they want to be accountable. Well, ministerial accountability um, usually sees a, a change around the cabinet table. The only person who hasn't moved in the musical chairs that they've initiated is the prime minister. And, um, and he's the one who needs to be held responsible for these failures. Uh, Mr. Desjardins, uh, as we hear that from Mr. Barrett, what does accountability look like to you? I think accountability has to be core to the problem here. This isn't just a one-off. This isn't a situation where we've seen one instance of a private actor taking our public processes, our public coffers and, uh, and taxpayers writ large for granted. We've seen this time and time and time again. We need to ensure, and it was clear by the Auditor General, that we didn't have the in-house uh, capabilities of doing this work. That begs the question as to when service cuts happen to our public sector, this is the direct impact. It puts at risk our ability to make certain that we have programs that protect Canadians, that they're one safe, affordable, and actually ones they can count on. The alternative is to continue to cut the public service down and to continue to make such horrific cuts that the only option for a government is to then look at outsourcing. When we do that, these kinds of vulnerabilities become very transparent, whether it's this instance or the Phoenix pay system, for example. The Phoenix pay system, when the Conservatives brought that in through a private contract, we're still in that mess today. And so I just don't buy it when we hear that the solution is just to implement a few Band-Aid solutions here, there, and everywhere, when the root of the rot is deep with the connection between how private entities see the government as a cash cow, and they can see it 
because they have access to, one, the requirements to the contracts, like we've seen in the Auditor General statements today, where we had a company like GC Strategies directly write the requirements for their own bid after they were given three non-competition bids. This is inappropriate. Canadians deserve better, taxpayers deserve better, and we need politicians to call out the real issue, which is the fact that private companies continue to prey on the public service and continue to prey on our coffers. At the same time, we witness governments cut services like IT that are extremely valuable in the modern uh, in the 21st century, and you'd think that governments across the country would be investing in their public service. But what we're seeing by this government and the Treasury Board, I'm the Treasury Board critic for Minister Anon, is actually cuts. These cuts will directly translate to more mismanagement, less transparency, and more problems for Canadians. You know, Mr. Sousa, I'm wondering what accountability looks like to you, because at the end of the day, again, this is happening under your government's watch. What do you do to, to, to say that you have taken accountability in any form and to, to restore public confidence in the, in the contracts and the programs that your government pursues? It's a critical question because of the 10,000 contracts that are done annually, uh, these handful of contracts that were, were assembled and expedited much too quickly weren't uh, taking the proper steps as, as mentioned. And we are very concerned about that outcome. So we want to make certain that that doesn't repeat itself. So we have already taken a number of positions. We've stopped uh, the delegation authorities. We've instituted an eBay system. So all the capture of those um, uh, contracts are brought under the one umbrella that's easily accessible. And more importantly, we're making those that are making the bids, they have to now account for why it costs the money it costs so that we ensure we understand what we're buying. And be clear, uh, the contracting and the subcontracting mechanism that's in, that's in play is the, what's used across industries, across other governments, across previous governments. The same individual that we're talking about that's running GC Strategies was also a, a, a prime a contractor for the previous Conservative government. We have to take proper steps to ensure that no one is abusing the system. And during this Very period clear. of time, what was really at risk is cross-border trade. Had the RIVE cannot come into place, the steps that we had, we took enabled us to have much greater trade. That would have cost us billions of dollars, and it okay. was essential to bring it forward. Mr. Barrett you, and Mr. Dejali, I'm going to give you each 30 seconds to respond to that. Mr. Well, Barrett. Uh, look, this, uh, you know, we're, we're going to see excuses from, from the government. The Auditor General outlined failures today. This is where we have liberal insiders. We have... Uh, senior bureaucrats, uh, they're, they're, doing, uh, they're doing booze tastings and going out for luxurious dinners while Canadians are struggling and the government is allowing insiders to have access to these lucrative contracts. Um, they're, they're ballooning, uh, they're ballooning Quickly, both Mr. contracting Barrett. and the public service at the same time. Um, that dog doesn't hunt. This government needs to be accountable for the waste, mismanagement and scandal that lies at uh, Justin Trudeau's feet. Quick last word to you, Mr. Desjardins. Yeah, thanks so much. This is unfair for Canadians. Canadians are right now bearing the cost of living crisis almost all on their own. Simultaneous to that, we have government taking directly from them and putting in the pockets of rich consultants. This has been a tradition of this place for many, many decades. It's time to get rid of the rot. It's time to get rid of the private consultants. And it's time to start working for Canadians. Okay, uh, thank you very much for the time. Sorry that we've uh, run out. Uh, Mr. Sousa, Mr. Barrett, Mr. Desjardins, have a good evening. Thank you. Well, time now for a look at what happened in politics today. 
Auditor General Karen Hogan says she cannot say exactly how much the ArriveCan app cost, and that is due to poor financial record keeping. But based on available information, her estimate is $59.5 million. The scathing report also outlining how the process did not provide Canadians value for money. The app was meant to digitally collect contact and health information when travellers entered Canada during the COVID-19 pandemic. It is really glaring some of the most basic things that we're missing here. Um, it's, it's a bit of a head scratcher as to why it didn't happen because I have definitely seen the public service do better. I know they can do better and Canadians expect better from them. The report has caused quite a stir on Parliament Hill. Take a listen to what we heard today. This software was developed during a global pandemic a public health emergency like Canada had not seen in a century. We needed to act quickly to keep Canadians safe and adapt every process accordingly. But we recognize with hindsight that things should have clearly been done differently. While you can't pay your bills, where you can't afford a home, he's taken 60 million of your tax dollars and given it to a corrupt app arrive scam that doesn't work, that we didn't need, and that went 750 times over budget. The Auditor General found pretty clearly that they wasted almost $60 million on an app that doesn't work and no one uses at a time when Canadians are really squeezed and trying to figure out how do they pay their rent or mortgage and put food on the table and pay their bills in this period of a crisis of affordability. King Charles's trip to Canada has been put on hold due to His Majesty's recent cancer diagnosis. This is according to CBC News, citing government sources. The report notes that while the visit was never officially confirmed by Buckingham Palace, the King and Queen were set to visit in May. The palace announced earlier this month that King Charles is receiving treatment for cancer, but the type has never been disclosed publicly. Also today, the Canadian Health Coalition is pushing to make Pharmacare a reality. We need Pharmacare now. Pharmacare is not a blue party or a red party or an orange party or a green party or a block party issue. It's a human issue. People living and working in Canada are having to choose between heating their homes, putting food on the table or paying for their prescription medication. The coalition, made up of healthcare workers, patients and advocates, also want the government to oppose privatization. The Liberals have until March 1 to table framework legislation for Pharmacare or risk losing their confidence and supply agreement with the NDP. And finally, the federal government signed a $733 million healthcare deal with British Columbia today. Funding from the five-year deal will be used to expand home care and improve the quality of long-term care services. Federal Health Minister Mark Holland made the announcement today alongside his provincial counterpart, Adrian Dix. We see a strengthening the safety and quality of long-term care uh, generally in this agreement, an improve, uh, improvement to the quality of dementia care, increase access to palliative end-of-life care to people outside of hospitals, to personalize care, uh, and make sure there's greater oversight, as well as tackling many of the issues that we've been talking about here and in Charlottetown uh, as health ministers around workforce issues. 
And that is our program for this Monday evening. I'm Michael Serapio. For everyone here at CPAC, thank you for watching. Primetime Politics is back tomorrow. But up next, Esther Bejan avec l'Essentiel.